Hmm, you're probably wondering how you got here. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. everybody well happy uh f friday yeah we never know when we're doing this show but here yes, we are we do <laughs> we're doing it friday nights from now on i've decided no more changes until we change it <laughs> so hey it's uh tww live i'm mark and i'm nicole and we're going to answer some woodworking questions tonight um you know i got some pre-selected here from patreon and on youtube and nicole will grab some questions from the chat room and i'll do my best to answer them. so even though you've answered them on youtube we're still going to Maybe. Answer them here. Sure, maybe. We'll see. See how I feel. Uh, but we'd like to thank everybody for uh, joining us tonight. I uh, want to thank some people who helped us out. And by that, I mean financially. Uh, they've either gone to Patreon, patreon.com slash woodwhisperer. Lots of levels. Or right on YouTube, there's the whole membership thing that you can do. Uh, we have Jim Davis, Mike Thompson, Isaac Alfaro, and a person named Davey. Davey. Just one word. Davey, Davey. Jones. So thank you for the support, but of course, you don't have to do that. No. Just being here watching the show, that's support enough, and we love you for that. So thank you. Uh, and if I seem a bit off, it's because I'm recovering from a migraine mm -hmm. from last night. Thankfully, we didn't do the show on Thursday night yeah. because that, would have been wouldn't, bad. that wouldn't have happened. And if I seem off, it's because I'm off. So <laughs> there's that. There's that. A quick announcement here. We do have a Merca Sander oh, winner. Oh, yeah, 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 we do. We selected a today. His name is Kevin. Uh, it's uh, Kevin Williamson. So if you didn't know, the Merca Sander review that we just did recently, the Merca versus Festool. If you didn't watch the video. If you didn't stick through till the end, you didn't see that the Sander was being given away. Um, and you had to go to the URL that was listed on the, on the video, and it was a whole thing, like a little secret giveaway. Uh, so that was one week long, mm -hmm. right? And now we have the winner. Is there a case with the Merca? Yeah. Okay, yeah. he said he wants you to... He wants both of us. Why do you want my signature, Kevin? <laughs> he wants both of us to I'm sign I'm going to sign it. Marca Spagnola. <laughs> Marca Spagnola. Yeah, it comes in a yellow, like a sustainer, yeah. basically, okay. one of those yellow cases. Uh, so congrats to Kevin on that. And, you know, for all the people who live outside the U.S., and I try to make sure everybody understands this whenever they complain about, oh, you know, you have fans in, uh, in Canada, or, you know, you have fans in England. International giveaways, we try to explain this all the time, international giveaways are fraught with legal uh, things that you have to confront if you want to run a global giveaway. Mm -hmm. And there's tons of liability. Every country has different requirements, and you really have to know what you're doing to get involved in that. Now, some people don't care. You'll find people who are like, oh, yeah, this is a global giveaway. They either don't know or they don't care, and we're not that kind of company. We don't want to assume that liability, so it's no, um, you know, we're not discriminating against people from other countries. It's just the way it works, unfortunately. It, it is. It always has been that way. Yeah, always. And always will be until the laws change. Yep. And just FYI, it's the laws in your country that are the problem, <laughs> not the laws in my country. No, uh, seriously, it, it, it usually is a local law. Yeah. Where you have yeah, to get we, like escrow accounts yes. and it's it's a whole thing. Um, Vampire Online said, congrats on 700,000 subscribers. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I didn't even notice. Hi, Ava. What did you need? <laughs> this is going to be Two minutes tonight. into the show yeah, and yeah. we got a kid here already. Yeah, yeah. All right. You do it. <laughs> so I want to let you know that we also have a new mug 
coming out. Um, it's not going to be this gray color. It's going to be black and uh, it has this little synthetic cork um, like layer on the bottom. What I like about it is it's very lightweight, stainless steel on the interior, and you could put this down on your tools. Now, look, I know we're not supposed to put drinks on tools, cast iron, right? But I've done it before. I'll do it again. Uh, so having something like this with a, a cork bottom means that you're not really going to have any moisture you know, getting to the tool. So that's always nice. So these are on pre-order, and I'm going to show you a little mock-up here, what this sucker looks like if you're interested. There it is. It's woodworker fuel. You know, so in the past, anytime we've made mugs, we almost always put our logo front and center. And what I wanted to do different with this one was to make a fun mug that you would like to have just because it's, a, you know, it's funny and it's very woodworker specific. Uh, and it also at the, on the back has a very small Wood Whisperer logo so you know who made it. Um, but ultimately this is all in fun. And you could do a pre-order over at twwstore.com. Uh, we'll put the link... Uh, I gotta find the actual link. We'll put it in the chat. Uh, but if you go to the store, I think it's actually on the second page. Don't ask me. It should be like at the front, but it's not. Um, so twwstore.com if you want to get a hold of one of those. I think we have like one more week. I think June 20th is the last day to get in on the pre-order. Uh, and then from that point, we will place the order and ship them as soon as we get them in. Okay. But they're pretty great. Very lightweight. Um, I really like this design. It also has a little swivel top on it. Here, I'm going to take a sip from it to show you how it works. Mmm, isn't it great? All right, Nicole's on her way back. I'm gonna probably start answering questions. Did you yell at her? Uh, no, I bribed her son to watch her. <laughs> so Dave Sotanto wrote in. He says, I've been completely unable to get my dovetail jointer to actually be level because how often I adjust the infeed. I am tuning the outfeed to match the infeed. I believe that I should take the outfeed table off and file some material off of the dovetail ways. Bad idea? Okay, I don't know. I, I, I will almost debate not putting this question mm -hmm. in there because I don't have an answer. I haven't had a dovetail way jointer in a long time. And when I did, I didn't really know a whole lot about you know tuning it up. So the whole idea of like shimming the dovetail ways to make them do what it's supposed to do. That's what most people do, you know, when they can't get the adjustment based on what the tool allows them to do, they might shim it with some very thin material. I've even heard people who cut up a, a soda can and they'll use, you know, flattened portions of that aluminum can um, and shove those in there. But that sounds like a lot of work. So I, I don't have a great answer. I don't know that grinding these things is ever going to be a good idea, but you know, maybe someone who's gone through this hell uh, will be able to chime in in the chat room. <laughs> uh, sorry about that, though. <clears throat> Jason Stoffel wrote in. He says, are you reluctant to build furniture or make repairs on furniture for a family member that is requesting half-assed work to be done? Uh, I always picture them talking, uh, telling people that I did that, and uh, maybe I should have them sign a non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> you know, honestly, if... If a family member asked me to do a half-ass job, think how would that go down? You wouldn't do it. Well, you wouldn't do the job. You just say, just go to IKEA or wherever. I'd say go find a half-ass woodworker. <laughs> you could find one; they'll do it for you. Yeah, I'm just trying to think: would I ever agree to it, or is it like somehow talk to them on how I can help them? But here's the parameters. You know, I don't mm. think I would necessarily do a half-ass job of anything. So maybe. Maybe that's what you do, Jason. Maybe you Draw the so. line and say no, because I, I need to use a certain quality of materials. Well, there are, I mean, you consider certain techniques. I wouldn't say half-ass. I would say 
Mm. Whole ass. <laughs> I do the whole ass. <laughs> more, if, more like, um, like if you're if time is money, you're not going to do a dovetail. You could yeah. do a biscuit, or you could do. But like, I wouldn't call that half-assed. Yeah. I would call that you know cutting some corners to yeah. save cost or to to save time. When I think of half-assed, I just think really lowering the quality. <laughs> Put some glue on it and slap it together. Just lowering the quality, using crappy materials, crappy techniques, yeah. because that's all they're willing to pay for, right? <laughs> Daniel said, I'm half-assed, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, half of the chat room is half-assed, right? Just ask one of them to do no. it. Just kidding. Yeah, it's all good, though. Uh, Brad Quaid says, I have an older Powermatic 64A, the contractor saw version. When cutting tapered legs, I began to suspect that my blade, a forest woodworker too, was not aligned with the miter track. When I made a true zero clearance throat plate, I was shocked. It was really crooked, a little bit over one eighth of an inch from front to back. That's, that is quite a bit. How do I fix this? The saw's directions say to loosen the trunnion mounting screws under the cast iron table and bang the table into realignment. This doesn't make sense to me. Hammering the table moves the bolt and the table together, doesn't it? What am I missing? Can't even recalibrate, oops, can I even recalibrate deviations larger than the curve of the blade by beating it into submission? Well, first thing I would suggest is you looked into the manual and the manual gave instructions, but you didn't try that. So I would suggest first, try that. <laughs> Not to be a smart ass, um, but that probably is the way you're going to fix it. Now, what winds up happening typically with these setups is you loosen that table and there, if, if you aren't able to completely move the table independently of the, the saw, you know, the, the actual motor and the trunnions and things like that, um, there's usually a little bit of play there. So even if the bolts are moving, maybe the holes that they go through have a little bit of room so that you might be able to make, and you know, even though an eighth sounds like a lot, when you're rotating a top, you know, think about rotating it around to adjust for whatever angle it's off. Uh, it doesn't take that much in terms of rotation to correct that one eighth of an inch. So there just might be enough play in there. But honestly, man, try it. Loosen those bolts and see what happens. <laughs> and if you do have questions, I am trying to grab them from, from the chat room. Okay. Tony Tang has a woodworker too, another woodworker too guy. Uh, he says he's confused. It produces excessive amounts of blade marks when ripping. Even with plywood, my old $80 Diablo blade gives me better results, but when using the crosscut sled, it's perfect. So I assume that my fence is out of alignment. After buying a dial indicator, my fence is within two to three thousandths out of parallel. Uh, which is very good, according to Google. So what the heck is going on with my new $200 blade? Well, Tony, you didn't tell me whether it's two to three thousandths in or two to three thousandths out. So if it's two to three thousandths out, I mean, usually I shoot for, that. that's fine. It's a very small amount. But that's what some people do intentionally, so that as you push through, you wind up not necessarily contacting the teeth at the back of the blade. So you're pushing through and you tend to get a little bit of a cleaner cut that way. Um, if you are going in the other direction toward the blade, that could definitely be causing the problem. Now, since you didn't tell me, I don't know for sure that that's the case, but I would guess that that's what's going on. If you're two to three out toward the blade, that means that the back teeth, so you're going to cut through, the front teeth will make the cut. The back teeth are now being forced to rub against the side of the board, causing those marks, the burning and the scratches. So that would be my guess. Hey, we have uh, Jeff Flowers in the chat. He says, first time view viewer, a friend recommended me to you. Mm. He's watching too. Well, I'm cool. sorry, this is not how... It's, I, it's a low-key show. It's a very low-key show. I'm Normally, not, uh, Nicole's much more jovial. I'm much more peppier. Do you guys want to know a little bit of trivia that I found out 
just doing a little research. I looked at some of our stats, and you guys know I don't do stats much, right? But this what whole, we're talking about this <laughs> whole experiment of like make uh, a video a week for three months has me looking at stats. I just want to see what's going to happen. <laughs> so I discovered that every time we do a live show, yep. we lose subscribers. Yep. Like the YouTube gives you a stat that tells you with that video, did you gain subscribers or lose them? And every live show loses subscribers. Now, interesting trivia, I checked with two of my friends who also do live shows. It hasn't happens to them too. Yeah, Matt Cremona and uh, Brad from Fix This, Build That. Both of them have the same phenomenon. Apparently, people generally just don't like live stuff. It's I mean, right. you guys do, but yeah. a lot of people don't. It's, uh, good <laughs> it's to all know. right. Good to know. It's all right. I said, Nicole, the live show is slowly but surely killing us. Dave, Dave said, <laughs> did you release the video today? No. So I, I also, you know. Oh, you moved it to Sunday. I did. So there's, you can put like, it's like a blog post almost on YouTube. Um, so that's sometimes if I'm going to have a notification or something or an announcement, I'm going to put it there. Um, so I did announce that we had decided officially for the duration of this three-month experiment, Sunday will be the release day. There are strategic reasons why. I don't know if I even believe them, but we're trying things, right? I, I watch, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I watch CBS Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and you get to release the video. I'm so excited about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be good. Can I play the horn? <laughs> yeah. The little trumpet? <laughs> It's almost time for the trumpet. Yeah, so Sunday will be the video release. You're very uh, spready. Well, man spreading. You today. are. And I'm like, get out of my space. You don't no, like I'm not, your leg? I am not shrinking. <laughs> <laughs> Bow to my manliness. All right. Don't make me shrink. Kim Erickson says, well, here, look, here's the thing, Nicole. I know. There's a workbench in my crotch. I, I don't, there's a, there's a, uh, a cabinet here. <laughs> I don't have room for my legs. I have the longer legs of the two of us. You have room to spread your legs and fly. Whoa. I'm not going back to it. Never mind. Kim Erickson wrote in. Keep moving forward. Kim says, okay, Mark and Nicole, after you highlighted the search function on your website a few shows ago, I've been lost down a rabbit hole. Thanks. Just a question regarding the crosscut sled in episode 146 uh, from 2011. Mark made one. Do you still use the same design? What would you change if you rebuilt your current sled now, if anything? I would change it into an Incra sled. (laughs) Which is what I did. Um, so, you know, look, making sleds and making any kind of shop fixtures, you know, I, I highly recommend you do it. You learn a lot in the process. You learn a lot about, you know, calibration, how to get things just to work as good as they possibly can. What you also learn is what's nice about commercial products. And sometimes commercial products are made with things that we maybe can't reproduce in our shops, right? So over the years, while my sleds were fine, they did require more adjustment than I would really like. There were times when they'd be dead on and then a couple months later, they're not dead on anymore. So you have to adjust them. Um, So I got to the point where I was just like, you know what? That Incra 5000 sled looks pretty darn tasty. I think I'm going to try that. And I did. And I haven't looked back and I was able to dismantle my shop made sleds in favor of that. So if I were to make another sled because I needed a homemade sled, that's a tried and true design. It's so simple. Piece of plywood, front fence, back fence, done. You don't have to get all crazy fancy with it. In fact, uh, I consider these things not disposable, but uh, sacrificial, right? So I don't necessarily want to mess with a bunch of, um, I don't know, like T-slots and uh, like weird doodads and things. I I just think it doesn't need to be a gadgety device. If you want to do that, that's perfectly fine. Um, But I personally would keep it simple, just the way my first one was. John McCarthy says, where is the best place to hang an air filtration system in the shop? I think we've had this question before. Yeah. Sounds familiar. On the ceiling. (laughs) 
<laughs> Honestly, there's a, a lot of people make a fuss about exactly where it goes. Should it be over a dust-producing tool? Should it not? Uh, generally speaking, and from what I've always read, you want to put it sort of closer to the wall on one side of the shop, maybe in the middle of the shop. Um, the idea being that it creates this like circular pattern of airflow. Honestly, I don't know how much of a difference it really makes. I think these things tend to work pretty well. And in, in some sort of enclosed space, like a garage or basement, um, you can exchange the air uh, with one of those pretty quickly. So even if it was located dead center in the room, it's still going to work. It's still going to work. I don't know that the old advice actually still is all that relevant. Just uh, any place I've ever seen an air filter working, it just works. So I don't think I would stress about it too much. Uh, but if you can get it into some sort of logical location where it might create a sort of circular pattern of air, then I guess that makes sense to do that. I'm totally out of questions, by the way. That's fine. You don't have any from uh, YouTube? The one from YouTube that I answered was about a substitute. I can't remember who asked it, but it was a substitute for mahogany. So oh. genuine mahogany substitutes. And uh, the answer to that is Sapili. Uh, you can also go with African mahogany, which is uh, usually more affordable. There were two, one from Todd, one from Alfred. Yeah, and Todd wasn't a question, so oh, that's okay. what I'm saying. Alfred, <laughs> Alfred Chu. Uh, so yeah, genuine mahogany substitutes, Sapili. So uh, you got a person like Daryl Peart who builds in mahogany almost 100% of the time for green and green furniture. He has moved from, I think he said he tried African, but African mahogany, if you ever purchase it, highly variable. From board to board, you got like a Pepto-Bismol like color mm -hmm. to like really deep reds to light browns, right? So there's so much variability in that um, it's inconsistent. So he had moved to Sapili and likes that a lot more. It's very dense wood. Um, it's pretty nice to work with and it's a little, you know, it's fairly easy to find. Uh, let's see, I got a question here from Forge 2008. Okay. What are the differences between spoke shaves? I've seen a couple behind you. I'm sure. wondering how they differ. I have one. I got a yard sale a couple for a couple bucks. It works for me, but I'm wondering if I'm missing out. Ah, I only have two. I've got the flat bottom. That's really how they differ is the shape of the bottom. So depending on whether you're doing an inside curve, an outside curve, or you're doing some kind of a flat, um, you can also, of course, use the flat spoke shave on wide curves, right? You could still get that blade down in there. Or, well, you can use it on either inside or outside curves, mostly outside with the flat um, inside, you tend to fight it a little bit more. Um, of course, the one that has this kind of a curved base to it, this kind of a curve, I guess you call it a sole on, um, on a spokeshave, um, that's for getting to inside curves. So uh, they also make a convex version. Haven't really had a need for that. Um, so I, I, I just never bought one. So these are the two that I have. Uh, I guess, you know, if you're only buying one, gosh, would you go with flat or would you go with... Um, the concave or the con is this this the convex one you know what i'm talking about <laughs> it's a curve on the bottom um i'm trying to figure i guess if you it depends on what kind of things you're going to use it for um if you're doing more like straight tapers you probably want the flat if you're going to be doing more inside curves you probably want the rounded one so but that's really about it for the most part Oh, gosh. So Dennis C. said that we have the same format as Epic Woodworking. I'm guessing that's another woodworking channel. Except you're both in front of the camera. You might consider doing a similar weekly two-hour online demonstration building a project. Um, no. 
Yeah. I, I told Dennis, I said, we've been doing this. Appreciate since, it, though, Dennis. We've been doing this since 2014. This, I, I don't know if we were the first live one, but we were yeah. the, probably the longest one going. Uh, um, and if you go back through the catalog, you'll see kind of us experimenting. I was very uncomfortable being on the camera. Yeah. I used to be off so on the side and then doing. Um, Mark's even done an entire build live. It was like almost nine hours. It was hours. our charity build. It was our charity build that yeah. he did. And then he was like, yeah, I can't do that, do that again. That again. <laughs> yeah, he, see, he the thing is, voice pretty quickly. Two, two hours of live stuff, I, I've got crazy respect for people who can do that yeah. and who do it you know repeatedly um, if I have two hours of spare time I'm going to put it into doing a video that people are actually going to watch and what I mean by that is you know you can get an audience for a live uh, demonstration but it will never get um, as much play and as much airtime as a condensed um, concise specific. version very specific edited version of that same information um, that's just the way the world works. So live is Not great for... Not everybody has two hours. Right, exactly. I mean, well, the, look at this show. The stats on this show is the majority of you are going to stop watching what, how long we've been live. You're, they're already gone. They're already gone. <laughs> so that's why we don't do it. No, see, the, the live thing right now is it's a uh, labor of love. Yeah. It's actually... We said at the beginning of the show, it is technically detrimental in some yeah. ways to the numbers, but it's great for connecting to the people who I really like it. I love it because we've gotten to know so many familiar... It's weird because if I ever meet you in person, I will I will be probably quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like nervous. We're usually not like this. Yeah, not like this. <laughs> but yeah, ultimately, this is a labor of love. We love the, the you know connecting with people on this level. Um, but again, if I'm going to do woodworking... It's going to be yeah. concise, filmed, edited, and Aww. put out as a, a finished product. B&D Woodworking said, if you stop doing the live shows, I will cry. This is the best part of ending a long week. Love your show. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. For that. I think that's the thing. The feedback from the people who really enjoy the yeah. show, that's the reason we do yeah. it. And I think, honestly, if you really boil it down, the people who feel closest to us are the ones who are watching this <laughs> yeah. and enjoying it. Yeah. So <laughs> it would be a real shame to be like, no, yeah. we're not doing it oh, because no. it costs us subscribers. No. Somebody said, you know, we're... We'll do it live. We're, we're making sure we have quality subscribers. In a, in a big way, yeah. it is actually calling the herd yeah. a little bit. People who are only slightly interested, they see this stuff and mm -hmm. are like, head for the Z, head yeah. for Z Hills, Nicole. I'm out of here. <laughs> I just got a super chat from Smithson Creations Handcrafted Woodworking. They are in Longmont. Longmont. You didn't have to do this. Because I have your question. Here Thank in, you for in that. in Colorado. It says, what router would you recommend for a router table? The router I have been using is the Porter Cable 7518. Which they don't make anymore. No, right? they make oh, it. Oh, they make it. They just make it crappy. Mm. The quality has gone down. Like from Look what I Craigslist. hear, uh, people talk about the bearings blowing on them. The mm. older ones were better. If you could find a used 7518, and again, I'm... It's like Speedmatic 7518. I'm pretty sure that's the number. That's a pretty good one. Um, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit concerned when that one burns out to the point that it's unusable. It has been fixed uh, two or three times already um, over the you know 15 years that I've had it. But when that goes for good, I don't really know of a great three horsepower option that that I would want to go for. I think Milwaukee makes uh, a big a big Haas like that. Uh, Milwaukee. Um, trying to think who else. Maybe does Ridgen make a big one like that? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't researched it, so I can't recommend one beyond the Porter Cable because that's the one I have experience with, and that's the one that I really like. You can still get them 
but just understand they're not quite the quality level they used to be. Uh, I think so I've heard. I uh, got a question here from Albert. Albert. What is your favorite style of drawer making? Drawer making. You don't really uh, like to make drawers, do you? I, I, mean, yeah, I kind of hate them all. <laughs> I hate them equally. You know the kind of drawer I like? The kind where there's only one. That's my favorite kind of drawer. You know, I mean, it depends on the project because there's utilitarian projects where I don't mind busting out a, a set of rabbited, uh, reinforced rabbit plywood drawers with like a false front on them. Um, you know, but I also like to uh, get down and dirty with a dovetail drawer. Mm -hmm. That's always fun. Um, but if I had to do 12 of them, that might be a lot less fun. So... I like making drawers that suit the project I'm making. And sometimes it's utilitarian. Other times it's like, let's show off and do something super fun and, and challenge ourselves a little bit. Um, but I guess the thing I make the most is probably all these drawers in the shop. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot of drawers in here. Yeah. Every one of them is a, a reinforced rabbited drawer. So I won't say that's my favorite, but I certainly have made the most of those. Not my favorite. Uh, CBC and woodworking. Very upset that I didn't answer your question, but there was a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions in here. <laughs> uh, I try to kind of keep, I, I pull and put them in a little notebook, mm -hmm. and then I kind of pepper them around depending on where, what he's talking about. Yes. So he's asking about your miter saw that sure. you don't have anymore. Yeah, which one? Um, I have the same Bosch 12-inch miter saw that you mm -hmm. have. Sure. When did you have that? Back in Arizona. So that was probably six years ago. I did move it here okay. and used it for a short period of time. Five. Because I remember when Cremona came to visit, I made him carry it from the basement. <laughs> and it was, it was funny. Gotcha. Watching gotcha. him do that. Uh, he's had his for six years and it's time to adjust it. Can you do a video doing an alignment of it? I can't because I don't have, have it anymore. anymore. Sorry. There's like gnats. Uh, you know, I'd be really surprised if there isn't some kind of... Um, it's a pretty popular saw, that Bosch articulating arm hoochie that they that they make um bosch glide right that's what it's called um i'd be really surprised if there aren't already adjustment videos on there did you sell that one to someone yeah okay. i think or gave it away <laughs> i don't know away. tools just disappear yeah <laughs> it's probably because i leave the damn garage door open all the time <laughs> things just disappear uh mark chapowski yep how do you like the isotunes link headphones now that you've had the had more time with them yeah better than the 3m hard to say that they're better um i say i would say they're comparable just in terms of sound quality and isolation they're pretty much the same thing as far as i can tell uh the build quality they do feel like they're a little bit more robust than the 3m and the one thing I will say that Isotunes has gotten down, and I've been hard on them in the past about sound quality, and for good reason, because some of their stuff sounds like poop. But the Link in particular sounds good for what it is. It's as good as I would expect it to be. But their sound quality and their ability to let you make a phone call in a noisy environment, I actually tested this side by side. Um, I tortured my mom and said, I'm going to call you twice. <laughs> Once is going to be on my 3M set, and the other is going to be on the Isotunes. Hands down, not even a contest. While tools were running, I think I had a table saw on and I Is had my it? dust collector. No, that's no, the first one. Not the, not the earbuds. Okay. It's the it's a headset. Big but, orange headset. Uh, Isotune's Link. Link. L-I-N-K, like the hero. Which one? There it is. This one? Yeah. Oh. Isotune's Link. So, there, yeah, again, so the call quality, and I don't really make very many phone calls at all, let alone doing it with my... Um, 
you know, headphones on. But honestly, if I was in a noisy environment, as well as that worked, I wouldn't hesitate to pick up a call if it was one that I had to pick up while tools were running. Um, I don't think anyone else does it as good as they do. So that is uh, definitely something that gives them a leg up. Battery quality has been fantastic. Um, Honestly, I only charge it when it tells me to, and that's sometimes only once a week. Um, Now, I'm not using them constantly all day, every day, but I found that the battery life, I can't say it's better because I haven't done a side-by-side, like draining both at the same time, but it's pretty darn good. So, I mean, I would give uh, the, the link a thumbs up. Um, if you're not familiar, um, we have an Amazon store. So if you go to amazon.com slash shop slash the wood whisperer, we have a section called TWW Live. And I try to add what he talks about in there for reference for anybody later. Mm-hmm. I also put it in the in the chat and it is a small affiliate fee for a referral. Yeah. Brian McQueen uh, says the best drawers are the ones you get from Duluth Trading. Nice snug fit. <laughs> you ain't kidding, man. I think I got some armachillos on you today. Do. Oh. Uh, Zach says, do you have any plans to meet, do meetups this summer with uh, the Rona subsiding? <laughs> well, we just did a meetup. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't necessarily by us. It was uh, James King's Who I um, think is meetup. in the chat room. Oh, was he here? Yeah, he was earlier. Maybe he left. He was probably in that 15-minute 15, 15 mark. He's in our 15-minute group. Yeah, we like those guys. <laughs> Uh, no, James actually organized this first first meetup back post-coronavirus, uh, and uh, we're at Breckenridge. It's on the Denver meetup group, mm-hmm. so um, or the Denver Woodworkers and Makers. Yeah, yeah Facebook um, group. But anyone can say they're doing a, a, you know, a yeah. meetup like that. Um, so a bunch of us got together, had a really good time. That's cool. So yeah, we're, we are starting there. them up. Yeah, Nicole didn't go. <laughs> but we are starting them up again. So if you're in the area, certainly in, in the Denver area, join that group and keep an eye out for the meetup notifications. Before, before everything happened, I was actually looking at uh, downtown Littleton. There's a couple of um, restaurants and bars that mm-hmm. have rooftop that you can reserve. I thought that would be kind of fun. That sounds unsafe. Why? Just a bunch of... Hoodlum woodworkers. But you drop woodworkers on the rooftop. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a good idea to me. Uh, I gotta approve Ava's requests oh, okay. for game time. Mateo settled her down then. That's good. Uh, Patrick wants to know how do you pair wood species, specifically looking for something to go with some cherry and a coffee table, but as you, but your general advice here would help. I mean, it's a really, this comes down to taste a lot of the time. You know, do you want a heavy contrast? Do you want a mild contrast? Do you like the way red and brown looks together? Do you like the way red and white looks together or brown and white? Um, A lot of it's personal taste. And there are things that people do with combining woods that I look at and I go, Uh, but then there's other times that I'll do something and people go, yeah, well, and two, the wood may change color over time. What you have in that first bit Mm -hmm. may not be what it looks like a year from now. So you're talking about cherry. Yeah. So there are a lot of times I put cherry with walnut. And while there's a nice, it's not really a high contrast because, you know, cherry is kind of that medium brown sort of color. And then you have the dark brown of the walnut. They look great together. But over time, they actually kind of start to meet in the middle a little bit. Walnut tends to get a little bit lighter over time, especially if it's got a lot of sun exposure. And then you have the uh, cherry doing the opposite, getting darker over time. So they meet in the middle. And I have a number of projects that were made of cherry and walnut. Not that they're indistinguishable. You could still tell the parts, you know, which is which. But they definitely don't look as sharply contrasted as they did when I finished it. So... That's just something to keep in mind with any wood that you're working with. It might change color over time. Um, but I, I would suggest just not getting too nuts with it. If you go with really dramatic contrasts, 
keep it to a minimum. Use it as uh, accents, you know. So if you have a piece where you want to use a really dark wood as an accent, well, maybe just for the handles, you know, make some wooden drawer pools or something. That's where that really works well. I think if you just go nuts and you're doing, like, purple heart and maple next to sapili, I mean, that's fine if that's what you like. I just don't think that looks very good, right? So I would avoid the really sharp contrast unless you're doing it to an absolute minimum. And then find somewhere in the middle, you know, woods that kind of go nicely together. So keep in mind, not what just color. With, what goes with zebra wood? Because that's such a weird, like, What I would do, stripey. see, here's how I would look at zebra wood. Zebra wood would not be the primary. Zebra no, wood would be, would the, be accent. the accent. Yeah, yeah. But what I would try to do is look at zebra wood. You have dark brown streaks. Mm -hmm. You've got light brown streaks. So things that couple well with zebra wood could be, uh, on the dark brown side, walnut. Yeah. Walnut looks a lot like the dark streaks in zebra yeah, wood. True. In the lighter color, you've got things like alder. You know, that's a nice medium brown color. Maybe even cherry, although cherry is going to get a little too red. Um, but that's how you kind of want to match these things up. Also, last thing on this is the grain itself. Um, you don't necessarily want to put a really deep pitted sort of grain like a red oak next to something that is really, you know, smooth. I, I don't think when you mismatch grains, unless you're doing it for some interesting visual impact, uh, most of the time those two I don't think look good together. It's two completely different grain structures, right? And I, I think matching those up a little bit. So keep your open grains with your open grains, mm -hmm. keep your clothes with your clothes, your smooth with your smooth unless you're doing it for accent reasons. Uh, the chat room is making me laugh. Um, John McCarthy said, yes, please don't go anywhere. Nicole has just started to pronounce my last name correctly. Oh, good. <laughs> Lucky you. Lots, lots of love. So, uh, uh, Robert Price uh, did a super chat. He says, aren't you due for a new miter saw? <laughs> hey, you. You're only saying that because it's true. Uh, Judy also did a uh, super chat. Thanks, Judy. She says, thank God it's Friday. Thanks for the show. Totally Yay. agree. Good end to a long week. It is. Well, thanks, Judy. Thank I, you, Robert. I, so when we were doing it Thursday night, it was messing me up time-wise. Like, <laughs> I was thinking, oh, it's the weekend. And it's just, I, I prefer the Friday because then kids i don't have to yeah. worry about getting them to bed yeah <laughs> it's all the same to me uh mm. unless uh, it's morning smithson creations um also said when you get a new router for the table please let us know huh. i will <laughs> i'm sure he'll let it everybody might be out. a while because yeah. that router i've like we just you, had it fixed I was when, say, right before had... your brother left yeah um we took it down to the repair center because a bearing was pooped pooped mm -hmm. out on it Old Ohio Angler was asking if we'd have ever been to Louisville, Colorado. We have not. We mm -hmm. don't go anywhere. We, we, we're just here. <laughs> we haven't even been to Red Rocks yet. Yeah. I know. It's like, what? We're just now starting to get out and about yeah. doing more camping. Went with to the Pine kids. for the first time, Conifer yeah. for the first time. I think we're just we're in survival mode, yeah. getting the business up and running, getting comfortable with that, getting the kids old enough that we want to go in public with them. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. You know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got a question here from Mark Wida. See, I got that right. Uh, would it be better to use hardwood for sacrificial, sacrificial fence on a table saw? Uh, hardwood. Wait, better? Would it be better to use hardwood? Well, I mean, you could, but why would you? If it's a sacrificial fence, that means you're eventually going to throw it away. I'd Didn't rather use plywood for that. Like, um, or MDF. What was that thing that David Marks made that you made? And it was like, it was on your table saw and it was like, psh, and you push it. 
It you're, was like very decorative. You're making things up. No, it was like a table saw. You would, it was like a big box. It was very decorative on the end and you had it on your table saw and you would put wood in it and then you push it through. You're talking about the crosscut sled. Yes. And David Marks never gave me one. Of no, those. he made one and you, you modeled yours after his. Yeah, my first crosscut sled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are very confusing. <laughs> Very confusing. We talked about sleds earlier today. Okay. That's Can what I, I answer this question? Though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not the same thing, right? No. So if you're doing, a, again, sacrificial fence, it's in the name, you're going to be throwing it away. Unless you happen to have, you know, maybe offcuts from something that just you're not going to use them for anything else and they're just sitting there, go ahead and use them for that. Um, but I wouldn't specifically use solid wood for that because solid wood tends to move and expand. Even if it's a small strip, you know, I would much rather use a sheet good that isn't going to move. It's not going to expand, cost less. And I don't feel bad about, number one, chewing it up with a blade. And number two, throwing away when, when it's actually starting to be crappy. So, Sebastian is in the market for a new compound miter slaw. slaw. <laughs> I can go for some miter slaw. You have mayonnaise in it, miter slaw. I see, I see that you use the Festool, but a while ago you had the Bosch Glide. Mm -hmm. I've, I've never seen any follow-up. Where you been? Now, the thing is, what, we had unless I made a, like, video. a full dedicated video that says, here's what happened to my miter saw. Right. Um, or a blog post. A well, lot of people are not going to catch yeah, it. Yeah. Even then, if I do a video, people That's aren't going to catch it. That's true. So I have to say it until I put it in a video. Okay. Uh, you know, don't judge my miter saw purchases. Don't really judge any of my tool purchases as disparaging the tool that I had before or even having a really good reason for why I changed it. He's a fickle one. I'm a fickle man. You know, what I do for a living Just means... Just don't swap me out. <laughs> Okay. Not with my women. No. I, I am fickle with my women, but I found the best one. <laughs> Aww, so here we are. Thanks. It, when it comes to the, any of these tools, a lot of times I want to change it up, not necessarily because I'm fickle, because I want to try things. Like I bought a Merca sander. Why? Because everybody was asking me, how does it compare to the Festool? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never touched it. So I will often change a tool just because I want to try something different so that I have another data point so that I can answer these questions. Because I get a lot of questions about very specific mm -hmm. tools, right? And you guys want recommendations, so that's how I do it. <laughs> and he and you changed the f to the Festool because it had a better dust collection for our employees. Yeah, so the story goes like this. The Bosch is what I had initially, and I went to that because I was on a, um, you know, I wanted to see how many, how many tools I could substitute to get away from Festool and be perfectly happy. So I was comparing, and I did a video comparing the Bosch and the Capex. And the Bosch was a great saw. It did just fine. Um, had no no problems with it. But when I got here to Arizona, or we're in Denver, <laughs> I needed to make a miter station. And I remembered going to um, Mark Adams School. Mm -hmm. And Mark Adams has a lot of, um, you know, uh, non-compound miter saws, right? Non-slider miter saws. And I remember in a video that he did years ago, one of his early DVDs, he, he talked about that. And that you don't really need, you know, in a lot of cases, especially if you're doing cross cuts on your table saw, uh, you know, for the fine woodworking shop, you don't necessarily need a slider. And a slider just brings with it extra adjustment woes, right? Like, is it calibrated? Is it going on an angle? Whatever. So I was like, you know what? Let me see if I could survive with just a simple non-slider, uh, what did I get? A 10-inch uh, miter saw? Yeah, I think so. So it was pretty small. And I was just fine with that. Then I hired Nicole's brother. Mm -hmm. my brother-in-law, Jason. And most of what Jason did was early stages of the project. He would do the breakdown for me. So what I saw was my employee, my brother-in-law, having to flip boards twice, 
to cut just simple basic boards that would fit on our jointer, but he had to flip them to do a simple cross cut because there wasn't the capacity. Uh, and then I would watch the, you know, I, I would insist that he wears, you know, protection for, for breathing, but sometimes he'd go and make a quick cut and I would look at the dust collection and go, dang it, like I know that could be better. And so that's what it came down to. Um, I bought another Capex because I was looking at someone else struggling for my weird experimental reasons. Uh, and I decided, no, good dust collection is safe for someone who's working for me. A slider is more efficient for someone who's working for me. Let's get the Capex back in the shop. So that's why we're back with the Capex. All right. <laughs> Long answer. Long answer. Uh, see, we got... Uh, Nicholas Weber, does yeah. anyone know where to get a replacement front knob for a Veritas low angle jack plane? I knocked mine off the bench and broke it. Probably Lee Valley. Yeah. I, I don't think, think that, I don't think it has to be more complicated than that. Because they have really good support. I, they have great support and I'm sure they have extra parts laying around. I wouldn't go too crazy searching for them unless they happen to just not have them and be out of stock. Um, go there first. I got a question here from Terry Pro Proas. Uh, what is the best tool to test for squareness other than a speed square? Okay, not a speed square. I wouldn't even put a. I I was actually going to have a video on this talking about what squares to get and not to yeah. get. Uh, if you're building furniture, the need for a speed square is. Slim to none. There's really no reason for most of us to have them. Now, if, you, if that's, you come from a construction background, maybe that's what you like, and you have one that's a really good speed square, okay, then go for it. Um, but generally speaking, you, I would like if you're looking for an inexpensive square, just because you need to, to check squareness or you want to use it for some kind of a marking aid, look into engineer squares. They're fairly inexpensive. They are dead on accurate. They're made of steel. They're going to be really well built. And you can get a set of three on Amazon um, pretty cheap. Are the, are the, so there's a Graz. Graz, is that how you pronounce yeah. that? 52 there's bucks. DC. Here's one, just one. Yeah, a single square you can get for nine ninety five. Oh well, yeah. Those are good if you really want that dead on, you know, perfect square. We're not really measuring things with it. Now, if you want to measure, that's where you look for like a double square, an adjustable square, um, you know, they, they, you don't have to get a start. it. Those are the most expensive Which ones. Which one do, do you have any of these? I don't know. It's been I mean, here's a four pack for 32 yeah, bucks. Yeah, from Woodstock. Yeah. And, you know, the, the engineer squares will give you the stats on, like, uh, over the course of their length, how far, like, what is the, um, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Even Woodpeck How perfect is it? Even Woodpeckers has a mini one. Yeah. For 34 bucks. 34 bucks, and it's this big. Yeah. Oh, is it that big? It's literally that big. It looks much bigger in the picture. If you're just starting out... Don't buy that one. And when they say <laughs> Oh mini, my God, it is tiny. I told you. They, they, that's so people can take a picture of themselves checking a chisel for squareness. I finally got a woodpecker. My first woodpeckers. <laughs> Where is it? I swallowed it. I'm sorry. Baby's, so, baby's first woodpeckers. Yeah. So then there are other options is what I'm saying. I'll put a couple of links in uh, the chat and also in the Amazon store that Mark's talking about. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, you can probably, I think Woodpeckers either has or had as a one-time tool a speed square kind of format that would be actually a good woodworking square because it's accurate. Um, but, you know, again, I don't think you necessarily need to go to that level if you're just checking for square. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's small. It's tiny. I think we should probably wrap up the show. Okay, okay. Got kids that are going to be do a have kids. pain in the butt oh, here soon. Kids. Um, I do have, I'll, I'll read the questions that I have left on my, uh, oh yeah, got a nice super chat 
from Smithson. Thank you both for all you do. I love the live shows and learned a lot. You both are amazing people. Very appreciated by myself and I'm sure by everyone else watching. Well, thank you so much. Smithson I need Creations Handcrafted. your actual name. Woodworking. Smithson. <laughs> Have we met before? Did you come to any His of the meetups? Is Billy. Billy Smithson. Let me know if you've been to the meetups. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, got a question here from James. He purchased a Powermatic 15-inch or yeah, inch planer with a helical head. I want to be able to take light passes at times. Are there are there roller marks on the wood at times? Do you recommend? How do you recommend to minimize these? Take a deeper pass. Deeper pass. I mean, I wouldn't mess with the height necessarily. I mean, if it's calibrated and it's doing what it should, if you take, you know, let's say you and I do this all the time, and that's why I know exactly what you're talking about. So you send the board through, you get a nice cut, and you go. Ah, I just want like a hair more. So you just tweak the handle just a little bit. The roller head is going to put those little lines in there. I don't think you want to calibrate that out because it's, you know, that pressure is important. It just means that your minimum cut is a little bit thicker than that. So go just a little bit further, just to the point that it does give you a nice clean cut. Um, generally speaking, when you get those lines, you're not really cutting much at all. Um, so, you know, if, if it is cutting, Trying to think how you could evaluate that. Either way, if something is off about it, then yeah, do the calibration and maybe it's putting a little bit too much pressure. Maybe they're a little bit too low. But like I said, I see that all the time and it's usually either when I forget to turn the handle for the next uh, round of cuts or I haven't turned it enough. I just kind of tweak it just a teeny tiny amount. Then I see those little lines in there. So <laughs> take a little bit of a deeper cut. Uh, Mark Wyden did a super chat. Thank you, Mark. You didn't put anything there, so I was looking to see if there was anything else that you had a question on. I mm. uh, got a question here from William Fansler. A question on a finish. Have we talked about finish? Have we talked about finish today? Not today. You've been you've been working on a door, refinishing one of our doors. It's a nightmare. <laughs> I'm making a beer stein and looking for a good food grade finish. I don't think wood makes a great drinking vessel. <laughs> I think I've even answered this question before in the show. I'm a little bit um, bullish on that. Uh, it's just not my favorite thing to put liquid into. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to be able to answer that. I mean, I know food safe finishes, but I also know that most of those likely once you put a drink in there are going to perhaps impart some kind of a flavor. Mm -hmm. Right. So then there's you go toward the other end of the spectrum where people start to do like an epoxy sort of thing uh, where it's something that's not going to absorb the liquid. But then you have to have the, the food safe concerns. I don't have a good answer. I've never made a, a drinking vessel um, and I, I don't like that would, idea um, for me. Would a turner maybe have better? Someone who specifically has made a drinking Cause vessel. Because I've seen the wine glasses, the yeah. turned wine glasses. It would be someone who's made one and likes it and found a good solution. And that would not be me. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry, sorry about that, William. And the last one <clears throat> we have from Wood Street wants to know, has Mateo started building yet? What projects did you start him with? I think my four-year-old is interested. Too soon. Uh, mostly um, Fortnite and Minecraft. That's, yeah. that's where he does most that's of his building. building. Lego. <laughs> Lego. He's not really interested. Ava is Ava showing. Ava has shown more interest. Ava has shown more, a lot more interest. Um, they will really, get into those Home Depot kits. They do like the Home what, Depot What kits. I found with them is they need something that's almost 100% done. And all they have to do is kind of put it together 
maybe drive a couple mm-hmm. of nails, feel like they've done Hit. something, and then they get to paint and it. And then they go, there And go. then they never touch it again. <laughs> I think, you know, some people have kids that are really into it, but mm-hmm. for some of us, the reality is, look, I'm not going to force them mm-hmm. in here. Not to mention this is my workplace, so I'm not, um, I'm not out here just for fun. Right. Um, but generally speaking, if they're not into it, I'm not going to force it. And, uh, and my kids so far, for the most part, have not shown a ton of interest. Um, so, you know, maybe in the future. You never yeah. know. I think it has to grab, the project is what has to grab them. The stuff they've made are like, here's, Mark has a box of scraps. So yeah. they take up the box of scraps and they glue it all together. And uh, Mark's April Fool's joke was actually something Ava had screwed together. <laughs> oh, my iPhone stand? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was an Ava project. Oh, Jim Ashley. Oh, Jim's here. Nice. Glad to catch live. Uh, for giggles, I just did a test cut on the Bosch Glide. With Festoon CT26 uh, hooked up, and it works very well. That's awesome, Jim. Nice. There you go. All right. Are we good? I think we're good. Oh, Matthew says they make metal cups that you can put wood around and then use the lathe to turn it. I've seen those. I've seen those, too. I think that Rockler. I can get behind that. Yeah. So the outside wouldn't necessarily need to be food grade because it's metal inside. Yeah, finish it with whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. I don't know if that would work for him. Right. Because it's usually, I think, it's usually like a travel mug. Mm-hmm. I've seen like a travel well, mug like kit. like hmm? It's like the cup. Yeah. The inside is... Right, but like it's a travel mug yeah, yeah, type yeah. thing. Yeah, Well, there you go. Well, there you go. All right. Well, thank you everybody for watching. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. We do. Uh, remember TWWstore.com. Head over to page two. Do you have the link for this? I don't. I, I put the link oh, you did? in, but I'll put it in again. Get your uh, woodworker fuel thermal mug. Taking pre-orders until June 20th. June 20th. So next, is that next week? I think so, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Well, it's the 11th, so. A little more than a week. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, we do an after show where we talk about. Oh, crap. We can't go inside right now. Other things. <laughs> I feel better. My headache, like. I was like all squinty eye when we first TWW started. TWW Live cures all, Nicole. <laughs> so, all right. So, if you're a Patreon supporter, I'll put the link to the Patreon post for you so you can easily click that link. If you're a YouTube member, you can go underneath the community tab from our page, um, and the link to the video is there as well. Yep. So. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye bye.